Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another beautiful day here on Adventures with Sarah. Today, uh, we are joined by two friends. Uh, we have Andrew, my business partner from Savor the, the Experience Tours, and a friend of his who is new to me, Gabor from Hungary. Good morning, Gabor. Good evening. Good evening. Good morning. <laughs> How do we say it in Hungarian? Uh, well, it is evening here. It's 8 p.m. here, so you would say Joeste. Good evening. Yoeste. Yoeste. Yeah. Right? Is, is good. Este is, is evening. Okay. Yoeste. Well, um, so we, we've invited you here today just because we, we've been doing all these conversations with people around the world and we're kind of interested in finding out what's going on in Hungary, but also just uh, to talk in general about Hungary as a destination, because I think that now that we know that travel probably will start up again next year, Andrew and I are pretty excited about um, dreaming of all the places we're going to take people uh, in the future. So uh, Hungary is definitely one of them. I have been to Hungary. I went several okay. times when I was a when I was younger, and you know why? It was because every time that I tried to go to to regular Europe, like you know Germany, for example, it was mm -hmm. too expensive for a student. So I'd hop on a train and go to Budapest. <laughs> so oh, we enjoyed Budapest very much when I was a student because it was a great budget destination in the '90s, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm sure it's changed a lot since the last time I was there. So. Uh, just love to hear a little bit about what you do and how has Budapest changed? Okay, well, first of all, yeah, I mean, Hungary is, is, is really a great destination. Even today, it's on the cheaper side, which, which is really uh, great. It's, it's a really good value destination in terms of uh, pretty much every aspect of it. Uh, definitely the food and wine aspect, I can, I can, I can guarantee that. Uh, so that part hasn't changed. So anyway, our, our story... Um, uh, I am the uh, co-owner and co-founder of uh, Taste Hungary. Uh, we started the company with uh, Carolyn, my, my wife, in uh, 2008. And, uh, well, we are both uh, very interested in, in uh, food and wine. And uh, she's American, I'm Hungarian. And, um, well, 12 years ago, we thought that um, it would be a good idea to... Uh, start making a little bit of money on, uh, you know, just based on our passion and our interest. And uh, we started showing uh, people around uh, Hungarian food and wine. Uh, so these were all tourists, many of them American. And it was just uh, us and it was just a part-time time job. And then slowly throughout the years, this uh, grew into uh, something much uh, bigger than we ever thought. And um, we started having, uh, you know, freelance guides, we opened our own uh, tasting room in Budapest, uh, the tasting table, uh, five years ago now. And um, well, until uh, COVID hit, so let's say 2019 was our best year so far. Uh, we organized, we, we had more than uh, uh, 10,000 uh, travelers on different tours and tastings and, and dinners. And it became a really busy uh, company uh, over the, the, the decade. And um, yeah, we had uh, 10 full-timers and we worked with about 25, 30 uh, freelance guides. So it, it was a very busy place until uh, March, um, I don't know, 16th, uh, when we ran into the wall uh, at the speed of about 150 kilometers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Andrew and I can relate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we feel the pain of that crashing into the wall. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. We, we, we did not have the brakes on <laughs> at all. So, Andrew, how did you meet Gavor? 
Um, you know, I, I think I met I met uh, I met Carolyn, his wife. I think it was 2011 because I was I was going to Budapest before going to Slovenia to run a tour, and I wanted to I, I wanted to, and that was when I was first starting to think about doing some kind of food and wine tourism. And to be honest, I don't know if I found them just because oh, there's Taste Hungry, this this company that does food and wine stuff, or maybe I found her because she's written a couple of um, books on the Hungarian cuisine and kitchen and stuff like that. So I met her back in 2000, 2011. Um, and then I think just, well, we've been in contact and then maybe four or five years ago, we started working together or, hey, if someone contacts me who is interested in something in Hungary or Budapest, I would, I would send them their way and vice versa. So, um, and then I think, yeah, maybe 2016, we, we kind of co-ran a tour together. Um, yeah. so, uh, and then I'm in Budapest a lot cause it's, it's, uh, it's so, it's so close by and it's just, I mean, it's probably my favorite big city is certainly my favorite big city that's anywhere near where I'm at. So I, I'm in Budapest a lot. I mean, other than this year. So, you know, we usually just, you know, a lot of times we just meet up just kind of as like, Hey, let's hang out or whatever. I had a, you know, uh, um, a 50 year old bottle of, of wine from Portugal that we uh, shared last year on, over my birthday. So, um, you know, it's just, you know, now we just kind of hang out. How far is Budapest? Cause I remember, didn't you go to Budapest from Romania last year? Yeah. Yeah. In yeah. fact, that was the last time I was there. Yeah. Well, from where we were in Romania, that took a while. But um, if you're, if you're, if I was in, let's say if you're in Ljubljana, you could drive to Budapest in about five hours, at least the way most people drive on the highway. Um, yeah, the, the you, you, you can get there probably in about five. The train's longer, but buses, buses maybe six hours or something like that, because you could pretty much just go the highway from Slovenia through Hungary all the way to Budapest. There's, you know, it's just straight on through and, you know, outside of COVID, there's no border checks or anything like that even, so. Uh, it's it's really not so far away, at least by American standards. It's you know five hours, not that far. Yeah, and uh, what what I can add is that there is really great highway all the way between the two cities, so it's it's a really easy, safe drive. Dang, yeah, I had no idea. I mean, I, I you geographically understand where those places are, but you just think, oh, there's so many countries between them, <laughs> but actually they're neighbors. <laughs> Yeah. The only thing you got to be careful about, which I, I didn't know the first time I drove into Hungary on the highway system is they have to, of course, they have their own system too, for like the vignette, you know, to like pay to be on the highway rather than tolls. So um, yeah, I managed to like go to some town like 30 kilometers into Hungary and get one before any police uh, uh, pulled me over. So, but that was like one of those like, oops, I, next time you better check on the internet before you go driving on someone else's highway. Yeah, and well, um, normally you, there's no passport control, like you said. So it's yeah. really, I love that. But then the highways are not synced, I guess. <laughs> At least not the tolls. What, what Andrew's talking about is you can buy like a little pass, a sticker for the front of your car and you have to pay for it. And it's like a tax to be able to use the, um, the highways. Uh, so Gabor, what kind of, what do you do on your tours? What is your most popular itinerary, for example? Okay, so, um, well, we have a, a bunch of, uh, a bunch of different uh, tours. We do anything, you know, from pretty much a glass of wine at our, at our wine uh, tasting cellar to, you know, seven, 10 day long uh, vacations. And, and pretty much everything in between. So um, uh, let's say uh, uh, we, from, from our walking tours, we do a lot of uh, uh, 
three, four hour long uh, walking tours in uh, Budapest. All of the walking tours have a you know, different focus. Uh, we have a general traditional Hungarian walk or Hungarian cuisine walk called a culinary walk. And that covers the central market with different tastings. Uh, we go to a butcher for lunch uh, outside the market. Uh, we go to a chocolate place. We go to a cafe house. And then we finish at the tasting table with wine and cheese. So if, you, if you're asking me which is our most popular walking tour in Budapest, then it would be this. Uh, because uh, in four hours, you really get a good overview of uh, traditional Hungarian cuisine. You, uh, you know, it's a small group tour. We never have more than eight people. We would run it either for one, for one person. And uh, uh, it's very interactive. There's a lot of food, a uh, good amount of wine, and a lot of good information and, you know, just good moments. So this, this is our most uh, popular walking tour. Uh, our wine tastings are very popular. Uh, we run, we used to run two wine tastings every single day, one at 3 p.m. called wine, cheese, and uh, charcuterie tastings, uh, tasting that included five uh, wines and sort of a quick overview of just the uh, wines of Hungary and uh, some beautiful cheeses that uh, went along with it. And we always had an evening tasting as well called Essentials of Hungarian Wine. That, that included eight wines. So, you know, depending on uh, how interested you are in wine, how much uh, your capacity is, you could choose between these two uh, tastings. Um, and uh, we also do day trips from Budapest to, to the different wine regions of Hungary. You know, Hungary, just like Slovenia, is uh, pretty much a perfect wine destination. You can be based in, in, in either capital, but let's talk about Hungary now. now. You can be based in Budapest and on these, um, which is in the middle of the country. And from, from uh, Budapest, you can do any day, uh, day trips to any uh, wine region that we have. Officially, we have 22 different wine regions. We make uh, a lot of, uh, uh, most of the wine we make is white, uh, but we also make nice, you know, reds, uh, some heavier ones, uh, some uh, medium bodied ones. And we have Tokai, you know, which is a very famous uh, sweet wine region. So depending on your preferences, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll pick you up at the hotel and we'll take you to either a red wine region or we'll take you to, to Tokai where you get a bunch of really nice, crisp, uh, dry whites or, and then also some sweet wines. And uh, in terms of the wine tours, this, this, this the Tokai uh, wine tour was our, our favorite uh, one. I found that over the last the last couple of years, everywhere mm -hmm. I go, it's not I mean outside of Hungary, but everywhere in the world, the, the, mm -hmm. I, these food tours actually, in a sense, are becoming, in my observation, more popular than traditional tours. And why do you think that is? Uh, well, you know, <laughs> uh, that is a good question, and it's a good observation. Our tours have, I mean, when we started ten years ago or over ten years ago. Uh, uh, people were asking, you know, what are you guys doing? You're doing food tours. <laughs> and then, you know, they said, okay, you guys are going to be okay. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they, it was something uh, very new. Uh, and now it's, it's become, if not mainstream, but definitely more, 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 more uh, popular and more and more um, uh, sort of uh, accepted. Uh, why is that? Well, I think they, I guess they are good. I mean, I guess they are good value. I think uh, there's a, 
a certain tone that uh, you know food tours have that other tours might not have this uh, cozy friendly atmosphere you know that wine and 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 good food uh, provides and then of course along with that there will be conversations uh, uh, well our food tours and and maybe food tours in general uh, just have to be smaller scale you can't have you know a food tour at least nothing quality for you know 60 people uh, and and if you're looking for that and and uh, you are looking for something uh, you know more uh, family based I think a food tour is, is just provides a good setting and uh, if you have a special interest you can always build that in and um, and uh, still you know let's say visit uh, Jewish sites in in Tokai but then uh, between these sites you're going to go to a wine tasting and I think it's just a really enjoyable way to travel and actually now uh, even this year a couple of traditional tour companies are reaching out to us that they would want to bring more food aspect uh, to to their tours and they would want to uh, you know work with our guides or or do some kind of uh, uh, brainstorming and cooperation with us because uh, I guess I guess people uh, need that or want that. Yeah, I, I would also add. I think it's. I think Sarah, it, they're becoming maybe more popular than regular, like traditional tours. It's the experience. You could actually meet like the people who like if you if especially if you're going to Tokai or any of these day trips out. You meet all. You meet these people. You meet the people making things, um, which is which is I think an experience more and more people want. And I'm I'm guessing after we've spent you know one year plus zooming everyone on the planet people might want that even more that we really just like hey let's actually go meet people and talk to them face to face and hear their story and all that with the with, you know when you when you have when you have traditional like history tours around towns like everything you're talking about is in, is mostly in the past i mean you could see some things there but you know you're not really meeting the people that maybe you're talking about um, and I think also, I don't think it matters like what your level of interest in wine is, or if you're a foodie or not a foodie, but I think pretty much everyone really likes good food paired with something to drink, whether it's wine or beer or, or something else. I think that plays, and some people for sure are like, that have been to Europe a lot, are like, I'm churched out, or I've, are, I have too much information about dead kings and dates of things and architectural styles, you know, but everyone could probably say, oh, this is great. This is cozy. This is some great food and great company. And it's a small group. So I think there's a lot of, of um, you know, aspects to this food, to food and wine tours that uh, it's, you, you can't find in, in normal tours. Yeah, what I can add to it is that really it's uh, the food tours, the food aspect of these tours will not take away anything from it. Because um, like in, in my experience, yeah, you can, you through food and through wine, you can easily end up talking about history and, you know, the different kings of Hungary who, you know, whose favorite dish or wine you're, you know, you're having right now. And it actually makes it easier to relate to the story of, of a small, you know, for some people, unknown uh, country. And it just brings the whole thing much closer than, than visiting a museum and reading uh, something, you know, behind uh, the glasses. <laughs> 
That's a really good point, actually, that that's that is an interesting way to connect with cultures of, of the past and people from the past is to know what they they eat. Because when I think when I've been to like I remember going to Hampton Court once in England to King Henry VIII's palace and they had in their cafeteria a, a stew that apparently was made at the time that he you know, lived. And I ordered that because it was like, oh, that's a cool way to connect with something that is intangible. You can't talk to the people of the past, but if you eat something that they ate, that is an interesting way to connect with a culture and connect through history that I guess I've, I'd lived and exist and, and experienced, but I hadn't really thought of it that way. That's a, that's a cool way to think about it. Uh, one more thing I wanted to yeah. add, sorry. Um, I, I don't know how things are going to change now after COVID. Uh, I'm not sure if people are going to be a little bit more uh, worried about taking food tours. We'll see how it, it changes or if it changes. Hopefully it's not going to change any, in a dramatic way. Uh, Carolyn and me uh, were, were talking that, uh, we're thinking that for next year we are going to, along with the food aspect, we are trying, gonna try to come up with as many tours, new tours as possible that are outdoors. Uh, because we feel that, uh, okay, the food aspect, uh, that's our side, but maybe people after being closed in for so long, again, you know, <laughs> we're all shut down and uh, people worried about maybe, you know, being closed in a, in, a, in a closed environment with other people. So, so maybe the outdoorsy element is going to be um, something that, that we should also emphasize and address uh, when things come back. Yeah, and that is something that I think Andrew and I've talked a lot about as well as, you know, what what is it that people are going to want next year, just because if we get we have vaccinations in April, like they're talking about, and people can start traveling over the summer and, and definitely into the fall, I still think that there's going to be a reticence to return to things as normal. So, you know, that's why he and I've been thinking about like bubbles of travel where you have groups that are maybe maximum 10 people and you, you know, you stay together, but you don't, you know, it's not a big group and you also kind of stay more in the countryside and, and that sort of thing. So it's, it's, there's a lot of different ways that we can approach this going forward, but I wonder if the, this will change things permanently. You know, I wonder what's, what the, the fallout's going to be. What, what's Budapest like right now during the lockdown? Have, have you seen any okay, changes in the city? started uh, last night uh, at uh, the tasting table. Uh, we had a farewell party. <laughs> Uh, we normally have happy hours every Thursday uh, where we do, you know, tastings, uh, just casual tastings. And, uh, well, this Thursday is not going to happen. So we had a last minute uh, farewell tasting uh, yesterday. It was very popular. A lot of people showed up. Uh, it, it was pretty, it, it felt like it, it was New Year's Eve. <laughs> and um, anyway. I mean, you're not supposed to go out on the street after 8 p.m. unless you're walking your dog or exercising or going to work. So it, it, it feels weird. It, it's, um, the streets are empty again. Um, you know, I was walking home today. It's, um, you know, people are rushing home uh, around seven. So they are, they can make it home uh, before, you know, the 8 p.m. Uh, deadline. I don't know. It, it doesn't feel right. <laughs> so, so starting at 8 p.m. tonight, then you, you guys can't leave your houses, basically. That's right. Yeah. Uh, okay. So that's a full, full on lockdown. Okay. 
Yeah, because it seems it's different in every country right now. I know that in Italy they have zones, and, but you can still kind of go out and it's sort of just dependent upon where you are. But this is all of Hungary then. This is all of Hungary now. Yeah, cases were going up, uh, I don't know, by a lot in the past weeks. And people were expecting, uh, you know, some kind of steps. Uh, yeah, I. it's not my... Uh, job to <laughs> judge if this is the right thing to do or not but it definitely um it feels weird even though we were expecting it and yeah it's yeah, probably gonna yeah. be for the rest of the year like this yep all kinds of weirdness going on right now so andrew i'm just curious i know i know why i went to budapest the first time but i don't remember why you started going there i i mean my my story the reason i went to budapest the first time was i was in uh Vienna, I think it was, and it was in the early 90s, and it was one of these things, I was with two of my friends, and we looked at the train schedule, and we saw that there was a train going to Budapest, and at the time, Budapest was like, I mean, going there would be like going to Mars. It was sort of forbidden, you know, because it was, this is like 1992 or three. And it was sort of like, oh, I don't think we're allowed to go there. Are we allowed to go there? So we just decided, let's go there because it was, it felt like something so, um, rebellious in a way or something so strange. So we just got on the train and we went and I just thought it was one of the most gorgeous places I'd ever been, but it was an interesting contrast because as you entered into the city, it really had that communist block sort of like behind the red curtain feel, but then you got into the center and it was this very elegant city. So that was the reason that we went the first time. It was sort of this incredible curiosity about what's behind the red curtain uh, sort of idea. So that's why I went. A Andrew, why did you go the first time? Well, I was in, uh, and I went the first time in 99, so I'm sure it changed a little bit, but very, it's changed a lot since then. Uh, and I was in Poland and I was basically new, this was like, let's say end of November, and I knew I had to be in Rome before a little bit before Christmas. So it was just kind of like, okay, Budapest, that's easy, overnight train, Budapest, Vienna, Slovenia for my first time in Slovenia and then on the way in into Italy and I and for sure because I, I always met Australian backpackers where I was traveling and people were always like oh Budapest 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 so I think I went there and I spent like five or six days there and I and I liked it but it was definitely one of the it, it like coming from Krakow like Krakow seemed like they had like been scrubbing things up a little bit more since communism fell than Budapest although I really liked the Buddha side there was that the history museum there it's just a whole Buddha Hill, which actually doesn't have as much as Pesh side, but I was like, oh, this is great. I mean, I'll come back here again, but it wasn't like, I wasn't like, oh, I have to come back here right away. But over the years, I kept coming back for various reasons, because I was always, no matter where I went in Europe, I think I always kind of went through Budapest, it's, especially for train-wise, it's connected so well. Uh, and then I just, I really saw how it's progressed, and probably in the last five or six years, I was like, okay, like, this is, this for me is like, I enjoy it more than Prague, let's say. Prague before would be like, this is probably my quintessential, beautiful kind of European city with all the architecture, all the stuff I like, except it kind of feels more touristy. And Budapest, I have to say, because I've been there almost every time of the year, it's so it's big enough that it, there's not like all the, all the tourists aren't in one place. And I think that is the one cool thing about it, which a lot of cities kind of, they get stuck because everyone goes to this one square or these three squares next to each other. Budapest has got so many different areas and, and districts uh, and sites that I think even when it's really crowded, 
with tourists, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like that. And there's so much going on. It's just and I'm and I live in Slovenia, so we have a city of 250,000 is our biggest city. So Budapest is like you know going to New York or something. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I mean I mean that's probably why I, I uh, you know one of the reasons why I go there. It's like oh I can eat any food I could imagine because everything everything's there. I have Gabor there. I have some other friends there. Um, I know my way around. I know the, the metro system super easy to get around. So it's like I'm not like there, there's nothing like intimidating about it. And I it's so big. I know that every time I go there, I'll probably find some other place I haven't been to, which is kind of cool because some places you like, but you're like, man, it's great, but I'm bored. Uh, and Budapest is like, oh, okay, there's this, there's this. Oh, okay, I'm not bored. <laughs> so Gabor, do you think that you could spend an entire week as a traveler just in Budapest? Would there be plenty to do? Oh, you could you could spend uh, I mean uh, years really <laughs> if you if you get into it. Uh, no, it's uh, it, I think it is a obviously I'm biased, but it is a very special place. Uh, I'm originally from the countryside. And uh, before I really lived in Budapest, I lived in a few other places in, in the world. So I also got to discover it as an, as an adult. But even today I discover, you know, new and new things. And, uh, you know, if you, if, as a destination, just looking at it from, from the, the tourism perspective, there are so many different layers that, uh, you know, people can enjoy, uh, you know, good wine, uh, good food and within the food there is you know there are a lot of different things that you know we could point out um including the the traditional desserts and coffee houses that are and, and pastry shops that are you know on almost every corner uh there are good wine bars uh really good restaurants you know now we have a bunch of michelin star restaurants we have a bunch of traditional restaurants uh we uh, Hungary has a huge, or Budapest especially, has a huge uh, Chinese uh, community. So you can get some really incredible uh, Chinese food here. Uh, okay, this is not something, you know, that you would do on your first visit if you're here for three days. But uh, we take advantage of it uh, quite a bit. And uh, that's, that's, that's really great. We have a pretty large uh, Chinatown uh, in, in, in um, uh, one of the uh, districts in Budapest. You know, there is good architecture, uh, there is um, a lot of history, obviously, um, there is um, uh, music, you know, we, we, we are pretty well known for our music halls and the music academy. Uh, we have a large uh, Jewish community, so there is that uh, aspect. And, um, you know, if, if you're interested in world wars, you know, Budapest was under siege, the German and, and, and Soviet army. Uh, had a three-month-long uh, siege here uh, with all the bridges, you know, blown up. So there's, you know, there is that. Um, if you're interested in um, in spas and Turkish baths, you know, we have a bunch <laughs> that uh, actually go back to the Ottoman times. Um, so there is that aspect and, um, and probably a lot more that I can't think of now, but uh, it is really uh, a city that is very hard to to get bored of uh, because there are just so many different elements and I didn't even mention the Danube <laughs> and the different hills it's it's a good city for hiking um, not so much for biking uh, uh, I, I I never ride my bike here 
actually I don't have a bike because I don't feel I wouldn't feel safe as a biker in Budapest. But for walking and for hiking, uh, there there are a bunch of uh, uh, hills and, and natural areas here that 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 are really um, uh, nice. So you reminded yeah, me of something. When you were talking about um, the coffee houses, that reminds me of one of my favorite things that happened to me as a backpacking backpacker traveler when I was in my, my late teens or early 20s. We got to Budapest and of course, as travelers, we were so broke, we were staying at hostels and we had very little money. And at the time, it was incredibly cheap to, to travel into you know Czech Republic or into um, Hungary. And we went to a coffee shop right next to the cathedral on the top of the hill. There was a beautiful coffee shop that looked like something out of a movie with the chandeliers and all of that. And we went in and saw pastries. I've never seen so many beautiful pastries. I had no idea about the kind of sweets you can get in Hungary. The sweets were just shockingly beautiful. And as travelers that had $2 a day for food, we were we went in and we looked and we saw that each slice was like 40 cents <laughs> you know, in our money. And so we ordered one of everything. And so my two girlfriends that I was traveling with, this is when we're, yeah, we just poor backpackers go. And we had probably, I would say 15 different desserts on the table because we'd never seen so many beautiful things and we could have whatever we wanted. And it was, uh, that was a, left a big impression on me was uh, just the incredible sweets that you can have there. Is that something that you focus on on your tours is doing things with the sweets? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, well for one thing now, the, the 40 cent uh, cake is probably now about a dollar and a half to $2. That, that might even include a coffee. So it's, it's still, That's still very affordable. Still oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You, you can't even and, get like a coffee cup, an empty coffee cup at Starbucks for that. So, <laughs> so you're doing pretty good, buddy. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, so anyway, yeah, we, we have a, we actually have a sweet and coffee house walk, uh, just dedicated to the, to the dessert and coffee house culture of, uh, of Hungary. It's a three hour long uh, walk. Um, which will take you to, I think, three different coffee houses, a couple of pastry shops. Um, and well, yeah, at, at the end of the three hours, you are going to be overdosed with, uh, on, on, on cakes. And um, we also, you know, we make a bunch of uh, savory pastry. So we include that as well to, to break the, the, the sweetness on the tour. But um, yeah, um, we definitely, like to take advantage of, of this. It's something uh, that is all over the place. I, I mean, I think just the pure fact that there are so many sweet things available <laughs> in Budapest right at your hand, that's, that's pretty remarkable. Uh, we also have a, a dessert class, a dessert making class. We partnered with one of the uh, uh, old uh, uh, pastry shops and uh, we make uh, the dobosh, dobosh cake. It's a layered cake with chocolate and then a caramel glaze or a caramel top uh, on the top of the cake. It's a cake that goes back 150 years and it's pretty difficult to make. And, um, and uh, yeah, when we put it together, uh, when, we, when we assemble the cake, everybody's very happy that the class is over. <laughs> and they can eat it. <laughs> I'll have to bring my son because he's he's the baker in the family. He'd probably love to do something like that. So we have a question, which I, I don't even know what this is. So I'm just going to ask you the question as it's here. Can you talk about Sopron a bit? Sopron, okay. Sopron is a, a small town right on the um, Austrian and Hungarian borders. Um, 
it is the middle of a wine region uh, named after the city, the Chopron uh, wine region. Uh, we actually go there on our tours. We have a, a tour that connects uh, Vienna and Budapest. And um, it's pretty much a, a, a wine tour, but it's for people who go from Budapest to Vienna or Vienna to Budapest. And instead of taking the train or taking a, you know, a, a private um, taxi, we turn this transportation into a wine tour. And Chopron is one of the cities that uh, we stop at. Um, there is a, right next to Chopron, there is Lake Fertő, uh, which is, which is um, a large, uh, very shallow uh, lake. And it's very spectacular. And uh, I really like uh, that area because of this uh, cross-border uh, element. You know, you can, uh, you can have a, a nice uh, Gruner Wettliner in on the Austrian side, uh, in an Austrian setting and um, you know very crisp uh, uh, white wine and then you can go on to the Hungarian side let's say to Chopron and have a, a, a nice glass of red like a cake Frankosch and um, and you know uh, it's, 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 it's a very colorful uh, region uh, because of that. Sorry? I actually have this is Chopron that's my background actually so are you serious? Is, yeah, I'm serious. I, I needed to pick a Hungarian background and I didn't want to pick Budapest because that would be way too obvious. So I picked Chopron like five minutes before we, we started here. So for everyone watching, like here's there's Chopron for oh. you. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that I was Brashov. That looks like Brashov to me. <laughs> well, it's, got, it's got enough red roofs, I think, to, to be Brashov. But I was there hmm, 12 years, 14. 14 years ago? Yeah, yeah, 14 years ago, I was in, I was in Chopron. So when, when Sarah read the question, I was like, well, I even have a photo queued up just, just for that one particular Amazing. <laughs> that's so, um, <laughs> so the other question that, that I have is just in general about, about wine, because that's one thing that I've always enjoyed about visiting Hungary is that it is a, a place that has really good wine, and a lot of people find that kind of an, as an unexpected bonus of being there. Uh, I remember the the bull's blood wine; that was the one that was really popular when I was there. But I'm sure there's other there's other kinds as well. What are the most popular kinds of wines from Hungary? Yeah, so Hungary is is one of the old you know traditional winemaking uh, countries of 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 Europe, and um, we've been making wine for a really really long time. Uh, in spite of this, uh, it's not, uh, Hungary is not associated by most people with, uh, with winemaking and wine culture. And when they come visit here, then people are usually very surprised of, well, first of all, the, the, the quality of the wine and also the, the diversity uh, of uh, the wines that, that we can, you know, produce. So, uh, I mentioned before that Hungary is more of a white wine uh, country. 70% uh, of the production is, is white. And uh, personally, my favorite white from Hungary is, uh, is uh, Furmint. Uh, that, that is the name of the grape variety, F-U-R-M-I-N-T. Uh, it is the dominant grape variety of the region that I mentioned also before, uh, Tokaj. And uh, you can make some of the sweetest wines in the world from it. And you can also make some really dry, um, uh, really crisp uh, 
uh, white wines from it. It's a very, uh, it's, it's, it's a grape that, uh, that has a bunch of different faces. Uh, it, can, it can make a, an easy drinking uh, white that you drink as an, as an aperitif. Uh, it, it's, it's a variety that has a lot of acidity, so it's always refreshing. Uh, you can age it in barrel and then you can have a burgundy-like uh, serious uh, white wine. Uh, so Furmint, I think, is definitely something to look out for. Then, since I'm talking about Furmint and Tokai, the, the sweet wine, the, the, the traditional Asu and, and Samorodni sweet wines are amazing from Tokai. People are usually very afraid of sweet wines uh, because typically what they, they, they taste is something, you know, cloying and, and just sugary, syrupy. Well, Tokai is different. Tokai is a very northern